Hello, this is Digital Accessibility, the people behind the progress. I'm Joe Walensky, the creator and host of this series. And as an accessibility professional myself, I find it very interesting as to how others have found their way into this profession. So let's meet one of those people right now and hear about their journey. Well, here we are for another episode of this podcast video cast where I talk to accessibility professionals. And today I'm pleased to be speaking with Shaitan Bakaru. Hello, Shaitan. How are you today? Hey, Joe. I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm at my Seattle office, home office near uh, the Seattle headquarters of Blink. Uh, where are you talking to us from? I'm in uh, Cypress, California, in uh, the southern part of the state in Orange County. Well, I'm not uh, familiar with that that particular town. Where where approximately is it with related to, uh, say, Los well, it's, Angeles? Uh, it's uh, just outside of Los Angeles County, so it's in between the cities of Long Beach and Anaheim, maybe about 20 miles or so from LAX Airport. Oh, all right. Excellent. Well, uh, thanks for uh, uh, electing to uh, chat with me for a little bit today. So maybe uh, we could start out with you just uh, talking about what your current position is and the type of work that you do. Um, sure. So I'm a senior accessibility specialist at J.P. Morgan Chase, and uh, my job pretty much involves um, uh, serving in an advisory role, coaching and guiding uh, 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 product teams on how to meet accessibility requirements. So I've worked with various roles like designers and developers, quality assurance testers, and uh, uh, various other folks, um, making sure that they understand and have the support they need, uh, uh, understand what's required, and have you know the, the support they need to do do their job, make our products inclusive and accessible. All right. Well, we'll delve more into the details of, of what you're doing right now. But one of the main purposes of, of uh, this uh, program is to uh, help people uh, uh, learn about the different ways that accessibility practitioners have decided to uh, make this their life's work or a significant portion of their life's work. So, uh, you know, why don't you just talk about your own experiences uh, with accessibility and we can kind of, uh, you know, start wherever you want and then, uh, you know, move along those milestones until we uh, get up to back to where we are today. I'm sure. So I actually ended up getting into it because I, uh, well, when I was a kid, I, I faced various uh, challenges in school, getting accessible materials and you know, being able to participate in extracurricular activities and that sort of thing was a, a challenge and uh, several several opportunities that I, I missed out on because of that. Um, I'm, I've been totally blind since birth. Uh, I have a condition called Peter's anomaly, um, where, which is where the front of the eye doesn't develop well prior to birth. And, uh, and so I, uh, I use a white cane to travel and uh, I use various assistive technologies to use a white cane. I use a white cane for traveling as well as GPS apps to get around. I use screen readers and braille displays on computers and mobile, uh, mobile devices, that sort of thing. And uh, when I was 
in school, I, um, especially mathematics, was a challenging subject for me. Um, I had to get a lot of help from both my parents as well as uh, outside tutors and that sort of thing. And then uh, I wanted to go into the software engineering field because when I was growing up, that was a time when assistive technology really started to take off. I mean, the screen readers uh, were just coming out at that time. Um, you know, people were moving from uh, DOS to Windows and that sort of thing. And it was uh, it was uh, an exciting time. And so I decided to go into software engineering um, uh, just because I love tech. And uh, I ended up after getting my degree, I expected to become a developer, but then uh, I uh, I started to, I, I worked, my first job was uh, at National Industries for the Blind in uh, Northern Virginia, um, where I was an IT help desk, desk specialist. And then um, I uh, ended up discovering that there were jobs in accessibility, and I didn't know exactly what that entailed. And so I started to research it more. and. Um, uh, you know, I started reading the standards like web content accessibility guidelines from the uh, World Wide Web uh, Consortium and that sort of thing. And um, I just, someone from, uh, at the time it was called SSB Bark Group, but now they're called Level Access. Someone reached out to me and said, hey, we have a, um, an accessibility consulting position available. Would you be interested? And so I went ahead and applied for that. And I just, <clears throat> ended up in the and working in the field like that and I decided I wanted to stay in the field because I mean I could be a developer and code for eight hours a day behind the screen but I wouldn't be you know really I, I wanted to do something that made a difference and so something that allowed me to help people in my own community including myself and uh, be able to make a change for people and so um, I worked for level access for seven months and then I moved to, uh, I, you know, I ended up just the opportunity at Chase landed in my lap. Um, uh, I was contacted by uh, a recruiter and uh, it, it was recommended by a friend. And so that's where I, uh, how I ended up where I am now. Well, uh, yeah, let's, uh, I mean, it, it's a great story that uh, you have to uh, tell. And why don't we, uh, kind of just go back and, and uh, you know, dig into uh, a few of the things that you mentioned. Uh, you know, I, I noticed that you mentioned, you know, when you were uh, think uh, going into uh, software development that the emerging assistive technologies uh, were, were not only helping you, but also really uh, motivating you that it was kind of an exciting time. Maybe you could talk a little bit more about uh, kind of what that experience was like and what kinds of things were happening that were, uh, you know, opening up these uh, these uh, new paths for you. I'm sure. So, I mean, it started out with, uh, you know, me being able to do my homework independently in school. I mean, when I got it, I used to be able to, you know, I had a back then uh, IBM compatible 486 PC with uh, basically no no sound, no speech, nothing. And I'd have to rely on my parents to make sure that whatever I was typing, my homework assignments was coming out right and that sort of thing. Uh, the formatting was good and um, that I wasn't missing anything. But when I got my first talking computer in 96, that all changed because I, I um, was able to not only do type out my assignments for school 
properly. I was also I also got a a scanner which allowed me to scan and read printed material, which was a big big uh, game changer because I didn't have to rely on sighted help all the time to read books, you know, whether it was for school or just for leisure. Um, and then I uh, that was when I around '96, beginning of '97 is when I got access to uh, AOL. They've been that was my first internet provider. I actually started you know having being able to chat with other people uh make new friends uh research things online myself learn learn about different subjects i never thought i would be able to learn about so fast before uh um screen readers started to uh really become mature um i've been using jaws for uh you know 25 years now um and that's come a long way, um, being able to do things like, uh, you know, OCR images and read PDFs and uh, just uh, the Internet browsing experience has come a, a long way as well. And so being able to interact with complex web applications, I mean, all of that has been, become possible in the past 25 years and not something that was, that existed before. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, and an amazing uh, amount of technologies that uh, you know suddenly made those things uh, uh, possible. Uh, but as you uh, then uh, got out of the academic uh, uh, world with college, you mentioned you started working for the National Industries for the Blind, and so. Uh, you know what, what was that experience like? So you you mentioned that you decided not to uh, pursue uh, uh, so, uh, software development specifically. So uh, I, I assume there are things that you saw there as an uh, interesting opportunity for the next part in your career. And um, yeah, so I I uh, I mean I wanted to um, do something that made a, a difference in the community, and so I um, when I learned about positions available and accessibility, I started um, thinking about it and as I was researching it and and uh, looking at it more, I figured, well, I don't have to necessarily be a coder. I can have coding experience, but, you know, leverage that those skills to uh, work with other developers and actually help them understand what they need to do to uh, make their products accessible. I mean, when I was at uh, NIB, I I was pretty much a, a help desk specialist, so that was when I was getting, you know, all of my IT certifications and basically in the learning process still. Um, and so that's when I started researching accessibility. I mean, I was doing things for them that were beyond my job duties and responsibilities, like, you know, helping uh, employees learn how to use screen readers and that sort of thing when they had questions. But accessibility wasn't my primary role at the time. But um, I mean, that position at NIB pretty much gave me that the, uh, some of the experience I needed to get in officially get into the accessibility space. Mm -hmm. Well, I, 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 I know from just my own experiences and colleagues uh, in this area that that having uh, physical challenges uh, is, is creates a lot of barriers to to uh, even being uh, involved in accessibility uh, work, uh, it, but it looks like uh, you were able to progress, uh, you know, through several positions uh, 
inaccessibility from the earliest stages. Um, is there any particular thing that uh, that was you know that was going on that uh, helped that? Was it your your networking or just uh, you know identifying new connections or you know how did it end up being that you you know were able to find so many uh, substantive positions? I think it was a combination of you know a few things the networking having good connections um but that came of course from you know attending conferences things like uh the CSUN conference which is the biggest assistive technology conference in the world met a lot of people there um you know working at a nonprofit like national industries to the blind obviously they had a lot of people with disabilities there so i socialized with them um made some uh you know friends and acquaintances there and so um that helped me a lot and then uh, you know also i think uh my uh ability to like my uh i have a lot of patience with people and i get along well with folks and so uh, i think you know that along with my ability to explain things well um in simple you know terms that people can understand um you know sort of helps get in, into those positions I, I noticed you, you he have he had a lot of uh, consulting practice uh, uh, work and uh, you know what you what was that like what were the types of things that you would typically uh, be involved in with your clients for that part of your career um so I used to um basically when I was working at NIBA I had you know basically other clients that I was doing work for on the side, just on the weekends and that sort of thing to uh, get some experience. Um, so I basically developed some websites for them, you know, HTML, CSS, PHP, JavaScript, that sort of thing. Um, and then, uh, you know, I uh, helped answer their questions when it came to accessibility, um, uh, basically serving as an, an advisor for them. Um, so that's pretty much what what that entailed and and that kind of brings us up to uh where we are today uh with your uh current position uh jp morgan chase uh so uh you know what's that like so what what's a, a day in the life or a or a week in, a week in the life uh, for you as in your current position um so I'm currently um serving as, as an advisory role so i um basically do basically what a you know consultant would would do um i help developers designers content editors and qa testers understand um you know um how to make products accessible and make sure they have the resources and support they need to do so um you know if a developer comes to me with questions about code i i uh if I know the answer, then I'll provide it. If not, then I'll look into it. And, you know, I'll, as someone who is totally blind, I'll provide, you know, usability um, suggestions on how to uh, make things better for specific users with specific needs. So, um, you know, something uh, is could be improved from a usability standpoint from a, for a screen reader user, then uh, I'll include that feedback as well. Um, uh, you know, if it's a, if a change has to make, be made 
to a design. I'll help the, the designer with that, um, reviewing wireframes and that sort of thing, um, as well as helping testers understand how to make how to uh, accurate, accurately write, you know, accessibility defects and that sort of thing. You just mentioned the the part about uh, design uh, working with designers on on wireframes and and it, in my experience that's one of the pl places that's still uh, lacking on uh, you know having an inclusive uh, uh, area for all of us to practice in it is uh, you know the tools that uh, that you're able to use to be able to participate in those activities. Um, you know what? What is it like? Kind of what's the process in working with uh, wireframes with the designers? Mm, so since I can't see the wireframes, I basically um, you know get on a call with the designer and have them verbally describe what they're showing uh, on their screen. Um, help you know have them in detail describe every element on the page and what what its purpose is, um, and then I you know ask questions based on what I understand or don't understand and based on that i uh, uh based on their descriptions i will uh, provide feedback on any accessibility issues that uh i i noticed um there are some parts of design obviously that uh i need help with like color contrast and that sort of thing um since i can't see those i would you know tell the designer to use uh the appropriate um, tools to make sure that uh, it basically plug the their color values into the um, color contrast analyzer tool and it'll tell them if it passes or fails. Um, and then sometimes there are just uh, things like heading structure and that sort of thing that sometimes uh, I need help with as well. Um, because some designers, their uh, designers have different ways of describing things some are good and some are not so good and so I uh, sometimes pair up with someone cited to um, be on the call with me and answer any questions that I have mm -hmm. and um, how how is it set up there in terms of the the teams that you work with do you, do you use your expertise across uh, different parts of that very large organization or uh, are your skills more in one vertical area or a certain department or division of Chase? Um, well, I mean, we pretty much um, help with any digital, anything digital. Um, so I'm part of the digital accessibility team. Um, and so, and uh, we also only do customer facing stuff. So any thing related to employee you know internal employee apps and this sort of thing there's a separate separate team that does that all right and uh you know when i i started i i really started working with accessibility about 20 some years ago i hadn't had experience with it before then but as i got involved uh you know it seemed like you know, a lot of uh, very interesting and amazing things happened uh, over that 20 years. But uh, but I also, you know, look back and I I kind of thought we'd be farther along than we are in terms of uh, digital accessibility. And so, you know, I was wondering kind of what what your feelings are on that and maybe uh, 
you know, what areas you think are, are ones that we still have to pay a lot of attention to moving forward for improvements? Um, I think, well, obviously mobile devices have come a long way in the past decade. It's they're widely used, so sometimes a lot more than laptops even. I think uh, it, uh, some more attention needs to be made, you know, given to mobile accessibility. Um, I mean, the, you know, the WCAG 2.0 standard came out in 2008 and 2.1 came out in 18. And yes, they, um, you know, did improve a little bit when they came out with a new success criteria and related to orientation and, uh, um, you know, pointer cancellation, some of those, those things that would be beneficial to mobile users. But, um, I think there needs to be more uh, attention given to that area because it seems like they're making small changes in, in WCAG um, for that, not focusing it on it as much as they should. Um, I know they're working on the, uh, I believe what they, they're calling uh, silver, the next uh, basically WCAG 3.0, I think it is. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Well, uh, Shaitan, I, I want to uh, I want to thank you for uh, taking the time to uh, meet with me and uh, share your experiences. It's been uh, uh, very interesting for me, and uh, you know, hopefully, I'll be able to meet you at a you know, future CSUN event when we're actually able to uh, do that in person again. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. It's been great uh, talking to you, and looking forward to uh, meeting you in person as well. I will be at the season this coming year. Hi, I'm Joe Walensky, and as host of the Digital Accessibility Program, I like to keep the focus on our amazing guests. But I'm always excited about my role as Accessibility Director at Blink, the producer of this program, and I'd like to share that with you. Blink is the world's leader in evidence-driven design, and we work with a wide variety of clients. Founded in Seattle, we also have offices in Boston, New York, Austin, San Diego, and San Francisco. Our stated mission is to make technology human. Embracing inclusive design and accessibility brings all of us closer to that mission. We bring accessibility in every one of our projects. Our philosophy is that each of our practitioners should understand how accessibility applies to their own work. Accessibility is not a separate department or activity for us. Our researchers, designers, and developers all employ accessibility principles at every stage. If you have a need for research and design services, Blink is a partner with a full-time commitment to making your product or service accessible and a great experience for all of your customers. Some of the specific areas where we can help, using research to better understand the needs of your customers with disabilities, innovating to make sure your accessibility is the best in class design. We can move existing designs to development in a sprint, and maybe most importantly, we provide a turnkey transformation to an accessible site or app. Of course, compliance status is something that we always include as part of the service. If any of this is of interest, please get in touch with me directly at joe at blinkux.com. That's J-O-E at B-L-I-N-K-U-X.com. Thank you.
And please take a moment to rate our program in whatever app you use.